move into the next sermon in this series. Um, everything we do has a price. Everything in our faith has a price. And, and, and I'm afraid that we've gotten to a place in our culture in a place in our church, as I said, our church, not the church, in this body of our church, that we've been satisfied to let somebody else pay the price. That we've been satisfied to try to reap benefits of something we haven't sowed into. The Bible says you reap what you sow. And if you don't sow, you don't reap. We... We're guilty sometimes of letting others pay the price of worship. Letting others pay the price of study. Letting others pay the price of prayer. And we want to reap the harvest. We know that certain people pray, so when we got a prayer need, we go to them and say, I need you to pray for me. We know some people worship well, so we want to watch them worship so God can be glorified. We know that some people like to talk a lot, so we choose them to be the ones to expound on the Word. I got news for you. There is a price to everything we do. I have a new fascination in an old show or older shows. I'm a football fan, and I've been watching much to my wife's celebration. She loves them. I've been watching these documentary called A Football Life, and and I, I, my wife just she just she just can't wait for me to get a chance to turn one of those on. Uh, she loves it because then she gets up and goes to bed. Well, but um, last night I was watching the football life of of Michael Strahan. Michael Strahan was a defensive lineman for the New York Giants, but we'll forgive him for that. And uh, they told a story in his life story about how that his dad was in the military and they were living in Germany, I believe it was. And he came across a bicycle when he was about 9 or 10 years old that he wanted badly. But this bicycle cost $1,200. $1,200. And he went to his dad, and he says, Dad, I really want this bicycle. And his dad, being more generous than I am, said, if you can raise half of it, I'll cover the other half. And so... Michael Strahan at the time, if I remember the story right, was 9 or 10 years old. And he went out and he began to knock on doors, very shy at the time. He began to knock on doors and he he found yards to mow and hedges to trim. Pretty soon he had put back $600. His dad helped him and they bought that bicycle. Now, Michael Strahan says that he had paid the price 
for that bike. He worked for it. First thing that he really worked for. First thing that he struggled to get. As he grew up and he started having children, his mom said, are you going to give that bicycle to your kids? He says, nope. They want a bike, they can go cut grass. And when the documentary went off last night or early this morning, the last scene of the documentary was the adult Michael Strahan riding that $1,200 BMX bicycle around the set of whatever whatever show he was on. What was her name? Anyway, uh, he took Regis's place. Kel- Kelly and Michael. And he was riding that bicycle around. And one more time, he gives the quote, my kids can have other bikes that they earn, but this one, I earned. I paid the price. And as I watched that last night, I began to think about the sermons that we've been preaching. I began to understand that there is a price. And when we finally... When we finally get off our seats and pay the price for holiness, we pay the price of obedience. We pay the price sacrifice. It begins to mean something to us. Our problem is, I'm going to get to my sermon in a minute. Hang on. Our problem is, we sit back and let somebody else pay the price and it doesn't mean anything to us. We have nothing invested. Our obedience to God is not our obedience if we're believing that somebody else will take care of the stuff for us. Our holiness isn't our holiness if we're counting on the pastor or mom or a daddy to live the holy life for us. But when we begin to pay the price, everything else begins to change. Won't you open your Bibles with me this morning? Romans chapter 6. Going to begin reading just two verses of Scripture today. Verse 15 and 16, Romans 6, verse 15 and 16. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Show the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you and I praise you for your power. I thank you and I praise you for your peace, your anointing, and your mercy. And, Lord, I ask, Lord, that as we move into this sermon, Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. Help us to pay the price. 
that we need to pay. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. He says, should, should we sin because we are under grace and not under the law? Certainly not. We don't sin because God's already paid for it. We don't sin because somebody else has already taken care of the, of the wage of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord, which we talked about last week. That is not a license to do whatever we want. But no, Paul says, rather do you not understand that to whomever you present yourself to obey, you become their slave. Whether you're obeying for righteousness or you're obeying, obedience leads to death, whatever you obey is where you're at. The things that you do. So as I began to look at this and I began to think about obedience, I began to ask myself, what is the price of that obedience? What is it going to cost me to be obedient? And I got to be honest with you, I did not like what I found. I told somebody before church, I'm thinking about just getting me a chair. A way I can just sit down for the whole service. Good news, good news, good news. In August, God's told me to preach covered in love and covered in joy and covered in peace and covered in hope. I may not get set down all month. I'll find a way. But let me tell you something. We've got to understand the price behind what we do. We started this series with a sermon called The Price of Freedom. It was our 4th of July sermon. As we celebrated the price that it cost us to have freedom in this country. Some of you have lost aunts, uncles, moms, dads, grandparents as a part of the price to keep our country free. My grandfather was on the first wave of attack of 17 beachheads in the South Pacific during World War II. My grandfather never much talked about the war. It was a price he paid. It was a price that he paid. Let me tell you something. Everything has a price. And if we want to walk in obedience to righteousness, we need to understand what is that going to cost me? What is that? What is it going to take from me to know that I'm walking in obedience? What is the price of obedience? The first thing that I see in the price of obedience, I hope I see, is silence. You and me both, sister. You and me both. When you look into Genesis chapter 6, and I'm not going to read all this, I encourage you to go back and read this story. Everybody, when I say who it is, if you don't already know, everybody go, oh, I know that story. No, you don't, because it's been 10 years since you read it. Go back and read it. But here we're talking about Noah. 
And you've heard me say this before. Noah is not credited with any words. Do you know that I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher make up things about Noah? Have you ever heard a preacher, maybe it was even me, get up and say that Noah preached for a hundred years while he built the ark and never had a convert? Well, I don't see in the Bible where it says he preached. Built a boat. The Bible says that God found, that Noah found grace or found favor in the eyes of the Lord. One of my favorite Bible butts. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't earn it. It was given to him by birth. And then the Bible says that God began to tell Noah, listen, I am sick and tired of people. They're evil. Their every intention is evil. All they think about is how they can do something wrong. All they want to do is find ways to run away from me and turn away from me. And I would wipe out mankind, but I've made a covenant, and I'm going to save you and your family. I want you to build a boat. And nowhere in the passage does Noah say anything. why a lot of us can't understand what obedience is? Because we can't keep our mouth shut long enough to be obedient. When God begins to tell us to do something, we start telling him why we can't. But, 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 but. When God begins to direct our spirit to bring a revival, all we can tell him is why we can't do it. Well, God, a revival would be great, but our little old church doesn't have that kind of ability. We don't have the money for that. We don't have the ability for that. We don't even have a good enough preacher to have a revival. I mean, we don't have this, and we don't have that, and we don't. We spend all of our time telling God why we can't do something. Or... God begins to direct us to save the world, and we go the other way. Well, God, it's about time you brought me in on this. I mean, I've been thinking about this, God, and I know what we can do. Noah didn't look up to God and go, God, I'm glad you asked me to build a boat. I've been thinking about this, and I think if we did it this way. God told him how big the boat was. How many stories the boat was supposed to be? How it was supposed to be coded? How it was supposed to be built? God laid out everything, and Noah listened. Can I tell you there is an art to listen? I didn't like this. I'm a talker. I'm a talker. I told you before, my CB handle when I was a kid was rattle mouth because my mouth was always rattling. I, 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 you ever carried on a conversation with me? Uh, well, now, what, what really is what you're trying to say is, see, I start telling you what you're trying to say. Quit laughing, Sarah. I, I start telling you what you're trying to say. 
Well, I, I, I just, I got to get my input in. I got to hear my voice. But Noah paid the price of obedience by listening. Oh, I have another new enticement on TV. Pastor Brian loved this show, and I always made fun of him for it. But then my nephew showed it to me, and I went, oh, that's I've been watching live PD. You ever watch that show? Live PD. Let me, let me tell you, here's why I like that show, not because of the police stuff. I like it just to hear what the people do. Because none of them understand the price of silence. I mean, they're always yelling. They're always, it wasn't me. That's not mine. I don't know whose that is. My favorite one, what's your name? I, 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 I don't know my name. You don't know your name. What they know is that they've got a warrant out on them. They don't want to give their name. Let me tell you something. We need to learn the power of silence. Boy, that doesn't sound like Pentecostal preaching, does it? Can I tell you what's wrong with some of us Pentecostals? We're too busy trying to shout and speak in tongues and run the aisles to hear what God's telling us to do. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to shouting, and I'm not opposed to speaking in tongues, and I'm not opposed to running the aisles. I'll do all of them. I'll do all of them at one time if you want me to. But somewhere down the line, we've made the racket coming out of our mouth what's holy instead of the holiness coming out of his mouth. Somewhere down the line, we've quit praying the price of obedience to stand up, shut our mouth, and let God speak to us because we got to be saying something. We're never going to understand what God wants us to do until we... Oh, I'm trying to avoid that word. Be quiet. I don't want to say shut up because that wouldn't be nice to say shut up. I'm not going to say shut up. I'm going to shut up about saying shut up. Let me tell you something. It's time that we learn the art of I know how you struggle for tells me to do something. I woke up this morning. God gave me four sermons this morning. Well, at least the starts of them. And I was like, I've been studying this. I had the slides made. The I had the title slides made for all the all the sermons before I said anything. important to understand you can't do what God says until you hear what God says our problem is we start trying to do before we know what to do if I'm on a job site with men and women of action I'm not going to start pounding a hole in a wall until he tells me to 
You know why? Because I don't know what I'm doing. He does. And until he tells me, we need to remove that wall, go knock it down, I'm not doing that. I'm also not going to start cutting sheetrock until he tells me to. Why? Because I don't. I may cut it wrong. I may go the wrong place. And I'm going to guarantee you one thing for sure. I am not messing with an electrical outlet until he says to. And even then, I'm going to say, you know what? It would be better off. Why don't you just do that? And if that doesn't work, then I tell. I give him my son and said, here, let Michael do that. <laughs> That's the price of sacrifice. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> Tell you something. We can't start doing until we start listening. You know why we struggle? It does a lot because we're doing without listening. That sounds good. Pastor or somebody goes to some leadership conference, comes back and changes everything because he didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to what he needed to do. He didn't pay attention. When God began to talk to Noah, he laid out everything. And Noah listened to the details. I want God to give me the big picture. I'm a big picture person. I don't want to hear the details. But I can't get through the big picture until I listen to God's details. It's the price of obedience. It's not the only price of obedience. So, second price of obedience that I see it, action. Genesis 6.22 says this. Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. No, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. He put action to what God said. You can't have obedience without action. You can't have obedience without hard work. You can't have obedience. Coming to church and sitting in your chair. You can't have obedience. Just doing what we've always done. We have to put it into action. We have to work. Can I tell you something? Prayer is work. We got to pray. Worship is work. Pastor, I just don't like to stand and raise my hand. My leg hurts, my back hurts. Let me tell you something. 
So does mine. Can I just be transparent with you? Right now, I, I don't know what's going on, but my feet and my knees hurt so bad, I can't hardly move. The other day, I was saying, I almost took Best Walker in the kitchen to cook dinner. Because I could flip it around and set on it instead of trying to stand at the stove. I don't, I don't know physically is. They tell me it's neuropathy in my feet. My feet hurt continually. Right now I've got a sharp pain in my hips. Hurt. Pain. Sat in a chair yesterday and moaned and groaned all day. Beth kept going, What is wrong with you? I said, It's okay, I'm just dying. But I'm only dying from the waist down. It'll be all right. I won't tell you I'm hurting so you feel sorry for me. No, I want you to pray for him. That'd be great. Here's what I'm telling you. The price of worship, painful. The price of worship takes energy. Somewhere down the line, we've got to understand that if we're going to be obedient to what God has called us to do, we've got to stretch beyond what's comfortable. We've got to quit trying. Well, God, if you want to bless me, just bring it to me. No! Have some action about you. Move out, step out, move beyond the pain, move beyond the hurt. I got news for you. Once you start moving in the obedience of God, you start feeling victory, you start feeling power. Oh, I don't limp much when I preach because I don't notice it when I'm preaching. And you see me this afternoon. I'm Why? Because the price of obedience is action. We got to quit being an inactive church. I've said this a thousand times this year. I'm tired of just going to church. I want to be the church. Can I be honest with Ellen's messing with me. I said, can I be honest with you? I want to hear it. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you what makes me almost sick to my stomach? That's okay. I've had people mad at me before. I get sick to my stomach just about every Wednesday this, this spring and summer. As I've gotten in my car to drive to church to have eight or ten people set in an adult Bible study. And I, I drive by every week. I drive by ten to fifteen people. All in ghost shirts, which is the theme for Life Church right now. Life Point right now. And they're cleaning up somebody's yard and they're cutting grass and they're being the church. 
and I drive by them, and I want to cry. I want to get angry, and then I walk into the church, and we can't even get 10 people to come sit in an air-conditioned building. This last Sunday, people said they couldn't come. We can't come to church, it's too hot. But there were 15 people outside a house, working on a house between my house and here, bringing the glory of God. And we can't even come set in an air-conditioned sanctuary. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I do understand. We've gotten lazy. We're an actionless church. We're not going to grow until we get some action about us. We're not going to grow until we start doing something. When we struggle to get nursery workers and kids' church workers and youth group workers, because everybody wants to hear the preaching, no, you don't. You want to sit in a padded pew. We need to get some action. We need to start working again. We need to get on fire again. I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. We've got to quit sitting around waiting for it to happen, and we've got to get up and start moving. The price of obedience is hard work. Noah did everything as God commanded it. He did it. He built the boat. I haven't been to Kentucky to see the Noah's Ark. But everybody I've talked to that's been there say the first thing that they notice is, wow, it's big. I love the commercial they have on TV where some grandkid is telling their grandpa that they went to see Noah's Ark, the Ark experience. And said it was really big. And the grandpa said, everything's big to a seven-year-old. And then it shows him walking up to it going, wow, it's really big. Noah built it. It didn't take a week. It didn't take a month. I'm looking here to see. I want to say it either took 100 or 120 years to build the boat. Think about that. We can't stay committed to a project for 100 days. Most of us can't stay committed for 100 minutes. 100 years. That it worked. Worked. The Bible's not clear. But again, I think we take a lot of liberties. 
Bible says that Noah and his sons entered the boat, but I don't know that I see a place where it says Noah and his sons built the ark. It does say Noah did. So at the best, probably four of them built that boat. And at the worst, one of them did. Think about that. He worked every day for a century. Action, action. Can we commit enough to being obedient to the word of God to work every day for the rest of our life? That's the price of obedience. Here's the last. Seven verses thirteen through sixteen, Genesis. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all the cattle and their after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, all the flesh in which is breath of life. So, so those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. It hasn't started raining yet. Water's not rising yet. Obedience has told him for the last century to work on building this boat. And all of a sudden, lions, tigers. Snakes. Roaches. Spiders. All start crawling up. Oh yeah, we we see the elephants, the giraffes, and all that. everything. Birds taking them. Noah and his three sons and all of their wives. Walked inside that ark. They never pulled the door. But the hand of God shuts the door. You cannot, you are not obedient until you trust God enough to let him shut you. There was no way out until God decided to open the door. They had to trust God enough 
to say what we all cry against. God seclude me. Separate me. God, I built this boat. You brought all these animals together. It's loud. It's stinky. It's nasty. Go ahead, God, shut the door. At the door. We spend too much of our time praying that God will open a door. And we need to start saying, God, shut the door. Shut the door. Lock me in. God, I don't see it. I don't like snakes. I don't like roaches. I don't like fleas. A little nervous around the lions. Do we have to have so many different breeds of bear? God, shut me. About hams, what hams? About hams. Father. Ah, you know how it is, God. Two families in the same house in about three days are like trash. Need to go out. Now we're going to put four families in the same boat. Plus all the animals. A lot of pets. It's not going to go well. But shut me in, God. Shut me. Quit telling God what your perfect scenario is. Quit telling God what you think you need. And say, God, I will go where you tell me to go. And if you need to, shut that door behind me. And I will stay there. And I will live there. And I will exist there for how many ever months and years I have to. I will be what I have to be to be obedient to your word. Let me tell you something, church. We need to come to a place that we start letting God shut the door. We live in a world, and we attend a church where we've never shut the door. I understand and I believe. I believe that we are a harbor for hurting souls. I I believe that. I understand that. I believe that we're here to help people. There's somewhere we got to understand we're not here to be. We're not here to help people just so they can leave. Sometimes we need somebody to be helped. We need that door to shut. Got news for you. I believe we're about to see a season. If we will start walking in obedience, listening, acting, trusting, and we're going to see God shut the door. That exit door is going to be closed. And people are going to get the same healing 
They're going to get the same deliverance. They're going to get the same victory. But now it's not going to be about so they can go out. It's going to be about so that they can bring and build that same healing deeper and deeper into this house. We're going to begin to understand that God has shut the door. Talking about shutting the door with all the animals. Getting a little freaked out. I tell you, get where God wants you to be. If you're not a little freaked out, you're not obedient. It doesn't scare you. You're not holding God. And I, I, can I be honest? I'm going to be honest. Can I just tell you a lie? Uh, if I'm going to tell you a lie, I'm going to tell you that everything God's ever told me to do, I was just excited about. Wrong. Most of the time when God tells me to do something, I'm like, no, God, you, you don't understand. Y'all know the story. Once I even said, God, do you know who I am? You can't talk to me like that. God, I don't want to. If I'm the only one in the room who ever looked at God and said, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. God says, if you trust me. See, I want others to trust me. I better be trusting him. Beth and I first started dating. I had a phrase that I said all the time. I'd say, trust me, hon. Usually it was right before I did something crazy. What are you doing? Oh, trust me, hon. Huh? Trust me. Maybe it's one of the other girls I said. Anyway. Uh, I better say sweetheart a lot this afternoon. Trust me, sweetheart. It'll be okay. How are we going to do this? Trust me, sweetheart. Where are we going to live? Trust me, sweetheart. Beth asked me. She said, all I want in our marriage is a home. I've given her 20 in seven states. That's extravagant giving. Trust me, sweetheart. It's going to be okay. I want her to trust me. Oh, but when God says, trust me, got to get to the place that say, God, shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door. When God shuts the door, he opens the blessing. God could not provide for Noah to survive the flood without shutting the door first. You can't get past the attack without shutting the door first. You're going to drown in the situation until you let God shut the door. We've got to listen and silence. Obey with action. Trust. 
completely. And when we do that, when we quit telling God what he needs to do, we quit, we quit just waiting for it to happen. We start doing something, and we start just trusting God. i got to say it one more time. Quit trying to trust God to open doors. Start trusting God to close them. We live in a society. We live in a society where we think open doors are exciting. I get to go do something else. God. Oh, God is at times a God of open doors. Very often. Very often it's God. Closes the door. He says, this is where you for me. her to play it's not a sermon where I lay hands on people and have a shout and altar call hopefully we'll have some of those next month but we can't get to the love and the joy and the peace and the hope that we'll get past the obedience some of you God's been talking to you and you keep telling God there's got to be another way. Every time God speaks into your life, you're coming up with a reason why you don't think that's right. You don't want it that way. Silence. Silence. Let God tell you what he's doing. Some of you, you've gotten through that. You've heard God. But now you're sitting back waiting for him to do something supernatural, and he said, get out there and work for it. Find a way. I don't know what to do. Find a way. I've given you the outline. I've given you the blueprint. You can't build a boat till you cut down some trees. You got to make or buy some tools before you do anything. Start working. Some of you, you've heard it, you've built it. That's time to get inside of it and let God close the door. The hardest part of the whole step of obedience is letting God. There's no more boats to build. There's no more tools to sharpen. There's not a lot more sunshine to see. God, close the door. I'm going to trust you that when you open that door, you're going to open that door to life. We're going to start over. Holy, righteous, living under the promise of God. You're willing to pay the price for obedience wherever you're at on this journey. Whether you need to be quiet, whether you need to have some action, whether you need to let God close the door.
I want you to join me. I told you this sermon I don't like. It hit me too many times. I want you to join me. Oh. God, give me the courage to listen, to work, to trust. Will you join me in these?